Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. You ever get that feeling like you want to punch a priest? Hear me out. You know the drill. You're hanging out alone in your bedroom and your mom comes in and you're busy. So you just turn your head all the way around and what? She's got a priest with her? Unbelievable, mother. They start poking and prodding you and spitting holy water on you and your flesh starts to cleave from your body and all you want to do is punch a priest. 
<laughs> Can I get an amen? If you've ever felt like I have, you'll want to join us in the basement for this very special episode. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with the inimitable Ray Delancey and the most sinister Tommy Metz III, and we've got the perfect guests to help us navigate the films of demonic possession. Lester Ryan Clark is an actor, writer, and teacher of everything. And Keenan Diaz is a filmmaker and assistant professor in film at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And together they host The Exorcist Minute right here and brand new on True Story FM, covering, as they say, the scariest movie of all time, Minute by Terrifying Minute. Lester and Keenan, thank you for agreeing to meet us in the basement. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, thank you. It's dark thank you in so here. much. It's yes. so dark. Spooky, just the way oh, we yeah. like it. So yeah. damp. <laughs> yeah, really, we don't know why that, that's coming problem. From. That's yeah. really not yeah. healthy. So let's get in and out of this thing. Uh, so we we thought this would be fantastic because you guys are so uh, so invested, deeply invested in the Exorcist, yes. and as a result, mm -hmm. your research has been just fantastic in the works of of this sort of oeuvre. And uh, I uh, I'm so excited for you to teach us based on our curriculum of films that you assigned us, uh, the, the, the movies uh, of demonic possession. Where would you like to begin? Oh, my gosh. Well, for, yeah, first of all, um, thank you so much for having us. Um, we have been following your show, and we're uh, really, really excited to jump on here and talk about, talk about our uh, favorite, uh, uh, I guess, stripe of, uh, of horror movies. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we figured with, uh, you know, the movie we've been covering for the past, uh, coming up on a year now, it'll be a year in October. Um, we figured we'd, yeah, we'd, uh, we'd come here and talk about uh, demons, demonic possession, that kind of stuff. And Pete, when you first asked us to do this, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, well, you know, it's like what constitutes as a demon movie? What makes demon movies different what sets them apart and after watching and re-watching a bunch of them i realized that uh there are some key components there's a few things uh which all of the movies that we've chosen have in common which i think make them a demon movie versus like uh, a monster movie or a ghost movie and i'm excited to talk about them as we go what I, is a poltergeist versus a demon yeah. for instance yeah. <laughs> and why is poltergeist 2 considered by me at least a demon movie it's got um, poltergeist in the title what's wrong yeah. yes yeah I well and you I had, i'm all mixed let's, up let's look at what are the list of films because as you bring that up like we had krampus was a bonus <laughs> pick on the list and and, yes. and i'm so curious how how you know where that line was drawn i'm so. excited to explain right. that yeah um, well, okay, so I, I think the first thing we got to do is discern, like, what is a demon, right? What, like, mm -hmm. what is a demon and how is it different from a monster or a ghost or any other, like, spooky thing? And I want to open that, I want to open this with that question to all of you. Um, so, you, like, whoever wants to start, like, what do you guys, what do you guys consider to be a demon what what is the definition of a demon a demon is an evil spirit is what i would think and a demon apart from mm. some of the other things to go more detailed a demon <clears throat> represents what i think if you believe in it is the scariest possible thing eternal ah. suffering mm. it is a vehicle towards mm. eternal suffering uh which is yeah i don't personally believe in hell but I kind of do because it's just too scary <laughs> to not believe in it. Yeah, case. it's kind of a Pascal <laughs> wager. Like, I kind of want to hedge my bet a little bit um, because there's nothing more terrifying than that. The other thing about a demon is yeah. I like the idea that a demon can either be 
an invisible force. Either way, it comes from within, whether it's actually possessing mm. you or it is invisibly sort of shaping your thoughts and pushing you towards something. It's always very internal uh, versus like a monster, ah. which is chasing you down a hallway, I think is how I would think. I like that. Mm, so it's a sin thing. Yeah, sin. Yeah, and I, you know, it was, as I was watching these movies, I wondered just on that thread alone, how... How can we, or is it possible or advisable, I guess, to interpret these movies as uh, demons being the manifestation of some uh, grief, trauma, whatever it is that it, that sort of you know takes hold of you? Right? Is is that mm. is that a, a potential sort of angle of kind of cultural approach? Mm. So, like the devil as a metaphor yeah. for. Ah, yeah. okay. I yeah, because like Leatherface ain't a metaphor for nothing. No, <laughs> for right. Yeah, the title is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you get all three of those things <laughs> as promised. Barbecue as the but Keenan, Keenan. Yeah. Right. Many, many educated Catholics don't believe in Leatherface anymore. Right. Catholics have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, right, you know. Uh, just from religious training that I had years and years ago, I'm just familiar with demons essentially being fallen angels that mm. fell to earth with Lucifer and mm. basically just walk back and forth among the uh, uh, on the earth trying to turn anyone and everyone they can away from uh, the straight and narrow path of Christ. So we're mm -hmm. looking at what the Exorcist, the original. Yes. Exorcist mm -hmm. Three, Legion, mm -hmm. um, uh, Poltergeist Two, which might be surprising to people, yeah, because uh, it says Poltergeist in it. Uh, yeah. The Right, which is an Anthony Hopkins movie from 2011, and mm -hmm. Hereditary, Ari Aster's movie, and Krampus as a bonus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're I good, mean, you if you're good, you all get yeah, Krampus. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I would I would add I I put you know as usual we put a list of all the movies mm -hmm. together that we're talking about this week on our Letterboxd account for you to clone and track yourself. Head over to the Next Reels HQ page mm -hmm. at letterboxd.com/slash the Next Reel and check out our lists there, or swipe up in the show notes and we'll have the direct link to the list. And it does have a few other movies that that I know some of us watched. I didn't watch all of them, but I did add The Pope's Exorcist. I put uh, The Last Exorcism. Haunting in Connecticut, Sinister, and the Exorcism of Emily Rose for bonus material if people are interested. I don't think yeah. we're going to talk much about those, but they're on mm -hmm. there. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. For me, um, like as to as to like what is a demon, what constitutes as a, as a demon uh, movie, right? I actually found an answer in the origin of the word itself. So demon is actually a corruption of the Greek word daemon or daimon, which originally referred to a guardian spirit that is assigned to you at birth. Um, everyone everyone had a, deem, a, a, a daemon, right? This is the golden cup. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? No, it's, 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 it's kind of like that, right? And it would guide you or inspire you to do like to, to make great works of art or bless you with a, a specific talent or an inclination, sort of like a, a cross between a guardian angel and a muse. And, and actually, like you might know it by uh, you might know it better by its Roman name, which was genius. 
So when you were born, you get a genius and you get a genius and you get a genius and you get a genius, right? And yeah, so like whenever someone was exceptionally gifted in something, people would say, oh, that's his or her genius. That's their guardian genius, like watching over them. And then that became, oh, he or she is a genius, right? So, so Mozart had a genius and Michelangelo had a genius and even Socrates all the way back claimed to have a personal genius, which guided them, although he used the Greek word, which was daemon or diamond right, right. But, so but everyone would have a demon or, or a diamond exactly or, right, right. So, so just people who are lost to history forever had little demons who were lost to history yeah. unfortunately that's, <laughs> that's actually really interesting you guys because isn't it like a sort of culturally poisonous that we would we would take genius and and mm-hmm. through just the raw power of ego start referring to yes. ourselves as as, as geniuses <laughs> right, right but on the no, other no, no, side yeah. we take demon which was supposedly yes. meant to be our genius and corrupt mm-hmm. that and make it evil, a representation of evil. Yes. What is that all about? <laughs> and so so that's that's actually why I I'm talking about this. Like I'm making the argument that what separates our modern day demons, which are, you know, now just completely evil from the rest of our modern day monsters is this ancient and intimate connection, right? Even now, centuries later, when demons are only associated with evil, there is still this intimate, personal bond between us and them that you don't have with other monsters, right? Werewolf's going to eat you because it's hungry. Vampire's going to drink you because it's thirsty or horny. Or um, both. <laughs> or both. <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark, right? Even even like a ghost, like it isn't as close to you as a demon. Like maybe the ghost knew you in life and maybe it's haunting you out of a sense of revenge or something, but they don't know everything about you. They don't have your like case file. They weren't assigned to you. Like a demon is personal and that is what I think makes it so effective right um yeah well, show, let me let me, oh, sorry, yeah. let me stop right there so like yeah yeah so but it's also really interesting right so this this idea of a daemon or a genius um mm-hmm. comes from uh uh animist pantheonic religions right mm. where there's there's spirits and everything yeah. and there's like and you know oh it's not a river that's a manifestation of whatever god that is and so mm. these qualities within yourself are are religious and we 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 personify them as a daemon right but then when we i don't want to say corrupt but i said it uh, <laughs> uh when we corrupt it through christianity and borrow this idea then all of a sudden, as uh, yeah, as uh, Pete is saying, your genius is the positive things within you, and the demon is the negative things that come from yeah. right. somebody else, right? The, from mm-hmm. from some other thing that's trying to corrupt yeah, you. Yeah. Um. And like on our show, we we compared our demon, Captain Howdy, and the way that he seems to like know everything about this young priest, Damien Karras, right? Without ever having met him, right? We, we said he's almost like an evil version of. Clarence from It's a Wonderful mm. Life. Um, a very dark like, film like he's, uh, after through yes. this lens. Yeah. yeah. Right? Already yeah. dark. But like, he's, he's you know, Clarence has been assigned to help uh, George Bailey and he's got George Bailey's case file and he's going to use that information to help George Bailey. But what if Clarence just decided that he didn't like George mm. Bailey and he has all of his information, right? Like, that's a scary thought. And I think that's what makes demons so scary is that they seem to know you. They whisper things to you. They voice your deepest, darkest fears. They know exactly what buttons to push and they know exactly how to tempt you. And that requires like a close closeness and an intimacy, which is what I think 
demons bring to the table as opposed to other monsters. This is what Tom, this is what you you talk about with the your I think your horror and terror vibe, right? This is this is kind of the like the intimacy is what it is what a relationship with a demon can provide to change your life forever. Right, that uh horror versus terror terror being sort of a clean emotion where it's just panic, it's running away. It's getting whereas horror is changing mm. the foundation of your life, like the building blocks that you have mentally built to make sense of the world when those are shook, shook up. And that's what, I mean, yeah. hell really does that. Mm. Hell and demons do that right off the bat. I mean, that's sort of the entire point is to make you question your reality. So you will, if we go back to Ray's religious part, so you will reach for another unreality in order to save yourself. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And I, I can't not connect it to our home invasion series where, uh, you know, because uh, the home, one of the sort of central points of that series was that one of the things that makes those movies so terrifying is that you are so vulnerable once evil is in your home. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. You're so vulnerable because the demon is in your home, right? If your home is your your bodily vessel. And it's so supposed to, to be where yeah. you are safest. Yes. You are in your right. castle, right. whether your castle Ooh, is your like body that. or your apartment. Uh, and right. so for that either way, be, you're ripped of control. Right. And so to, for that to be violated yeah. is like the worst mm. possible thing. Mm. But, but also yeah. that that, yes, you're right. Like your home is your castle and your body is your temple. But I don't have a metaphor for what your family is <laughs> uh, like, like what structure Fans, your family is. But, <laughs> yeah. But when you are when you have a lot of possession movies are not necessarily from the point of view of the person being possessed, but from the point of view of someone who has to observe their family right. member yes. being possessed. Right. right. So so one of the things that that is, um, I think, really devastating about the fly, uh, the Cronenberg one that you were talking about, is that we're seeing um, we're seeing him disintegrate from Ronnie's point of view as much as we are from his point of view, right? So it is that like AIDS uh, metaphor that you're talking about of like, oh, I don't have this, but I'm seeing this person disintegrate. And the demon narrative has a lot of the similarities with that, right? It is it is like, oh, how do I help my uh, your father cares? It's my daughter, <laughs> and, and that kind of pain of like being powerless to stop something else happening or as we'll see in um i don't necessarily want to jump ahead too much but in poltergeist 2 where all of a sudden it is your your husband who has been a good husband is is you know raping you which is you know like seeing like not only is it like oh i am being maritally raped but it's like oh i'm seeing my husband do this thing that he wouldn't normally do and that's as devastating as um as actually being the victim of it yeah I think actually, <laughs> that's actually, um, if you guys would like, I think I'd like to start with, uh, with Poltergeist 2. Can we oh, start yeah, there? Sure. Let's do it. So I think, yeah, I think that's a great example, right? Like in, in, in the first Poltergeist, we had this thing called the Beast, right? And it was sort of like this faceless character. But in the second one, he appears in the form of this priest, this reverend, this, um, I love this trope so much, this sinister minister, right? Like he's, <laughs> uh, he's a demon in disguise, like he's, he's disguised within the church, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's a scene between him and the dad, Craig T. Nelson, where he's asking to be let into the house, right? Again, we got like house and, and body and soul, right? And, and he starts talking to Craig T. Nelson and starts deconstructing him on the spot saying, you know, you know what your problem is. You don't think you're a good enough father. You don't think you're man enough to hold this family together, right? Now, this is the first time in the movie that these two characters have met they don't know each other craig t nelson has never seen this guy before and even if he had like there 
that's not the type of thing that you admit to anyone, maybe not even yourself, right? But this demon, Henry Cain, Reverend Cain, sees him, sees through him and knows what buttons to push. And Craig T. Nelson is like, how do you know that, right? And Cain is like, because I'm smart. <laughs> and that's a demon. That's like a demon knows your secrets. It knows your, your fears. And then later, like, Keenan was saying, like mm -hmm. this demon possesses Craig T. Nelson. And if you want to see some great acting by, by Craig T. Nelson, he embodies the manner, mannerisms of, of this actor, Julian Beck. And he goes after the mother. And he's like, in addition to like the physical attacks he's putting on her, he says to her, to, to his wife, to the mother of their, their child, he says, you never wanted Caroline, you wish Caroline had never been given birth to. You think deep down that all of our problems are because of Caroline. And he says it loudly so that, you know, Caroline can hear. And you get the sense that the way the scene plays out, maybe that was a thought that the mom did have long ago. Maybe she didn't want to have this baby, but that's like such a deep, deep secret that that's a thing you might not even share with your husband. Again, maybe not even um, admit to yourself. But and, the demon is, and hmm. she never sh the movie never shares that with the audience, right? right. So we exactly. have no inkling of that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So when, right. when when we get revealed that, we're even like, oh, Diane, how could <laughs> you? Yeah. <laughs> so the demon is, it's almost like the demon is bringing us over. It's like, and, and he's taunting her. It's yeah, like, yeah. like, oh, Diane has secrets. Like you thought about it. you, you thought about it in your head. Like you, you know, I know you. And, and yeah, like it, it Let's just forget the supernatural aspect of it. But like just to be seen like that is so chilling. Right? Yeah. And, and the, the fact that, you know, we were talking about what is the metaphor for the family, right? Well, I, you know, to me in this circumstance, it's that cellular invasion, right? That the family mm -hmm. cannot be torn asunder. And yet here is this invading uh, force that is like broken the membrane of the family and is poisoning it from the inside that just because Craig T. Nelson is, is you know, first to go doesn't mean the whole family isn't rent asunder as a result of that. And I will say, mm -hmm. as a footnote, Craig T. Nelson is fantastic fantastic actor to communicate oh. mm -hmm. i don't understand yes. what's going yeah. on here right now vibe like he's just so good at at all of that yeah it is first standoff with kane right it's out in the porch but then it does it does go where, where um craig t nelson is hiding behind the yes. screen door and it is that membrane that pete is right. talking yeah. about and then and then kane starts to press his nose against the the membrane of the door and you start to see that indentation what a weird <laughs> guy <laughs> the fact that the, yeah that, that membrane guy. is so porous is also yeah. sort is also <laughs> I mean what is horrifying about uh, that whole idea is how vulnerable and how fragile all of this is. We think of the house, we yes. think of our family as this unbreakable. It's like an army. It is really a fortress against you, against yeah. the world, and one piece topples and the entire thing falls apart because mm -hmm. saying he's out to destroy things to say you never wanted your daughter is that's not just like poking holes that's a world destroyer like that is something that you can yes. never take back that under that undermines right. the entire thing of the family and so yeah that's just I, I like how fragile everything is that might be what a lot of these movies also are about is sort of exposing yeah. that we think that we have almost just like home invasion it's always going back to home invasion <laughs> but the idea <laughs> no, like that yep, we just yep. believe that we are so safe and how yeah. easily and right. quickly that can turn. And that's another element of like, 
a good demon story you have, like in Poltergeist, is this attempt to infiltrate and dissolve a a bond between right. characters, right? Like, as you guys say, to destroy the family or to destroy, in some other cases, like a friendship or a kinship between two or more characters, right? Like here, Kane wants Carol Ann, the daughter, but he can't get her directly because she is surrounded by love, right? He tries... At, you know, first at the shopping mall and mom steps in and he back, backs off. Right. And like quick little you know, side note, like in the first movie, there's there's this scene where we, we don't see anything, but we hear the beast chasing Carol Ann in the spirit world. And Carol Ann's spirit runs through Mother. the mom, Joe Beth Williams. And, and that's when all the chaos right. stops <gasps> and they her. don't give an explanation. But I. That was, that was really good. Not a lot of people yeah. do a Joe Beth no. Williams. That was yeah. very good. Nice you have that in a but pocket. I always, I always took that to mean that as soon as she passed through mom, the beast called off the chase, oh. right? And here again, in yeah, like because that's that's when right. the chaos stops. Like there's no more chasing after that. Like huh. Carol Ann's not in danger anymore. And it's like I feel like if we could see the beast chasing her, he 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 would be like, oh uh, no, she passed through mom. I can't I'm, I can't touch that, right? And so, like in Poltergeist 2, mom steps in, he backs off, but then for the rest of the movie, he attacks the family. He's talking to Craig D. Nelson on the porch, and then later in the body of Craig D. Nelson, he attacks mom, and then he even, you know, goes after the son with the braces, right? Trying to split them up or, like, wear them down, break them apart so that he can get inside. I think you yeah. you dropped the son with the braces a little too casually. That was <laughs> robust. That is a hard brace. You know, the, the, the braces yeah. thing, right? <laughs> they rewatched the first well, one. They're like, well, that one like, guy took his face off. What else could we give <laughs> what everyone we nightmares for for the rest of their <laughs> right. life? Braces. Remember maggot steak? But like, oh, so classic. But like using the other child as like, oh, which one will you yeah. save? Which one do you love Well, more, and, right? and that's what gets to the, like like you guys were saying, like where the demon is presenting circumstances that are purportedly uncancelable, right? We're going to reveal mm -hmm. truths that you cannot command Z, right? We are just going to do something. We're going to tear apart all the relationships to peel away the protection behind Carol Ann. And, and that's yeah. the, that is, that seems to be the effort of, of the sinister minister. And, you yeah. know, to the extent to which it works is, is up for, for question, right? Like it turns mm. out like the conflict is all in breaking down the membrane, but it, how, you know, how, tr how uh, true is the membrane ultimately for the family by the end of mm -hmm. the film? And is that anything that we can sort of, for lack of a better word, stereotype for demon movies? It's interesting, like going back to like you guys were talking about, like, like we were shooting through we're viewing him and we're viewing Craig T. Nelson through that screen door, that porous, membranous screen door. And you get the sense that it's like it's such a weak barrier. It's such a like, mm -hmm. you know, anybody else, you know, not a demon could just, you know, just like grab the door, open it up and walk <laughs> right in. But he has to is like, let me in. I need you to vampire. open the door and yeah. let me it's in. Vampire it's vampire. Trip, yeah. yeah, right. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's it's like I'm not going to damn you. I need to, I need you to damn yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like I need to convince you that you're that you're unworthy. I need I need you to like invite me in, right? In some ways, that kind of goes back to a lot of what the Bible portrays as demonic, because it's like I'm I'm not I'm really rusty on the Bible stuff, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but you know, a lot of 
the references to demonic forces, particularly in uh, the epistles, uh, are regarding or equate demons with false teachers or false mm. prophets. And that's essentially what this guy is. He ran a cult, you know, so mm-hmm. he was a false teacher. And you have that connection there. And it's yeah, a false teacher. Yeah. Again, it's what you're taking in and what you're deciding is right. the coolest thing about and the most scariest thing. And I, I'm just repeating what has already been said. But I think with demons, the killer's already in the house. It's just exposing yes. what you have within you or what you're willing to take in or what you're willing. It's mm-hmm, like we're mm-hmm. all already possessed. We're just sort of hanging on. And it's like the shingles virus. It's kind of like the shingles virus. (laughs) What did Pete say? Yeah, it's like, um, (laughs) yeah, we're all, we all have this in us. We're all ready to have our heads spin around. We're just clinging on to things to make sure that doesn't happen. And so it just takes a little Mm -hmm. push in order to uh, have us go that way, which is fascinating and horrible. And I don't like people. (laughs) The light. The light and the darkness is already right. within us. And a demon, a demon kind of like holds the mirror up to nature. And it's like, hey, did you know this about yourself? Don't right. you feel bad now? It just puts now? a little you finger know. on the scale. Well, and that's really all it can take for some yeah. people. Well, we don't, we don't, we don't want to necessarily equate like Satan and demons right. together. But uh, what you're sort of describing, Lester and uh, Tommy, right, is like, like we have the good and bad within us. And as Lester taught me on the Exorcist Minute, like Satan in the Quran is, um, is the, uh, what do you say, this, this, the, a Satan, mm-hmm. right? Well, in, not just in the Quran, but uh, in, in like, uh, you know, the original language we have, oh, like, okay. like, uh, you know, uh, Satan just means, uh, adversary or accuser, right? Like with a lowercase s, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, there are okay. there are references, there are instances in the Bible um, where you know Jesus will even say to Peter, you know, Peter, that Peter, the Rock, you know, mm-hmm. um, he'll be like, hey, you know, get behind me, Satan, stop being such a Satan to me right now, mm-hmm. stop, stop getting in my way, right? And so, you know, if you, I mean, if you want to, you know deconstruct the bible and make it you know less fun you can <laughs> you can you can find all those references to satan and you find out that's like oh okay maybe there is no like you know devil down there and it's just these are all like references to other things right things that you know were were making the writer mad at the time or opposing someone but sometimes that is fascinating like, you could replace the word satan with dick Get behind me, Dick. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. 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 Right. But Satan, a Satan was often a um, a cross-examiner, right? He was asking yes. to you to prove yourself as being worthy or unworthy. Yes. So and, that, like, yeah. When we yeah, when we get to um when we get to uh, uh the exorcist, um I'm gonna talk a little about that. Yeah, like God's prosecuting attorney, right? Um and there are there are moments, yeah, like in Job, like you say, um, there are there are types of devils in uh in these stories that almost seem like to be on the side of god just being like you know your honor like look at all the sins that uh that this person has committed like you know shouldn't we shouldn't we punish them and god is like ah, you know let's forgive them and and prosecuting attorneys like no this is unfair you <laughs> this know. is my win rate i need to get my win yeah. rate up yeah this whole world is out of order <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, where where do we go from Poltergeist Two? How about we jump into we're we're on the lighter fare of things, oh. right? We got we got Poltergeist Two, which is which is you know it's it's Steven Spielberg, it's it's like it's it's Exorcist, it's Diet Exorcist, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like it's like E.T. 
meets exorcist yeah. you know um let's go let's go from there to krampus <laughs> the other the other kind of like outlier okay. Uh, that we got here. Um, and I think this is another like perfect example of this thing. You get this feeling that Krampus knows this family, right? Like he's, he's, he's Santa Claus, right? Like he's evil Santa, right? He has their names on his list. He has an especially deep connection with, uh, with the grandmother. Yeah. Omi, yeah. yeah. Um, because of a wish that she made when she was a child, right? And in this movie, the family isn't being attacked necessarily well they're, okay yeah they're they're being except attacked, for that part where but, they're being attacked yeah right, except for the part. <laughs> that was that was important but but they are like you look at it in another way they are being punished right mm -hmm. there is a reckoning going on and i guess this this means in this story krampus is like i don't know less evil and more like an enforcer of uh, cosmic karmic justice right but it's it's still in that like demonic angelic angelic way of like i'm coming after you personally i've been mm. assigned to you i got your case file i have you on my list type situation right? okay yeah. he's sort of the hero of the movie right Mm, well, yeah, yeah right. if you we're, we're all rooting if for you Krampus, karate right, guys, the right, movie, right? absolutely. <laughs> this is the story of the unsung mm -hmm. heroes of the working class demon. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they just were assigned a neighborhood and they're trying to do their job. Mm -hmm. But I am curious about how this expands, because, you know, I get the permeability of the home. Right. This isn't necessarily mm -hmm. a personal possession, uh, though it kind of could be for grandma. Um, mm. But this is not like this. It the movie tells the story of a whole community being impacted <laughs> by by this infestation of Krampus. You're talking about like the lights going off and yeah, the power and going the, out. You and know, all that the, stuff. Yeah. you know, other other people, the, the boyfriend and the truckers and the like. Yeah, they disappear into yeah, the snow. Everybody's yeah, everybody's disappearing. <laughs> and so um, you know, I'm I'm just I'm wondering how that expands the like the community possession bit right because we we this is this is a bit far afield from the poltergeist style i want your daughter well can we can we can we spoil the ending a little bit <laughs> I, we should say as a yeah this show spoils everything let's just okay. assume if you're listening to this and you haven't seen krampus and you don't want to be spoiled please turn it off and we love you and you're the best and we'll welcome you back when you come back yes so. see you next yes. month yeah. But that's what but, I was going to say. So let me, but Lester, before you say your thoughts okay. on the ending, right? Yeah. So we get this this um, Christmas uh, carol ending, right? Where mm. they wake up the next morning yes. and everything is back to normal. And that they realize that, um, well, they realize as we realize that Krampus is watching them through his collection of snow globes. Or as a friend of mine has has said, he's much darker than me, does a lot of drugs. He says that, <laughs> no, 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 Krampus isn't looking at them like Auntie M um, and the Wizard of Oz sort of thing. It's not like that, but that, no, they are actually transported yes. into a snow globe world. Is that what you thought? That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my okay. goodness. Dark darkness here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they are transported into a snow globe world. Where where they're kept, um, you know, on on watch from right. But that's the blessing of the curse of that movie, and maybe that's my darkness. Is like, okay, <laughs> they're trapped forever, but at least they're happy now, right? At least they know, <laughs> like, it can't get any worse, right? That's yeah. kind of what I where I walked away. Oh, and, it's, and and hey, we never said forever. Maybe it's for only a thousand years <laughs> or something like that. You know, <laughs> the, the, nice the optimism in horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This isn't hell. This is purgatory. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, but no, I mean, like, yeah, if you take it to, to that way, I mean, again, isn't that kind of like, you know, that type of like karmic. 
um, you know, uh, um, heavenly punishment of like, well, this is this is what you and and it's a punishment that suits the crime. It's like you're going to be forced to live together in this snow globe uh, until you can learn to get along. Right. Yeah. Um, but like I, I I'm on the other side of that. I kind of like took that as the kind of like the crystal ball Auntie M, like he's watching you. He knows when you're sleeping and when you're awake type mm-hmm. situation where like he's keeping an eye on this family. Like, did they learn their lesson lesson? Question mark, question mark. Right. Um, and to answer the question about like the rest of the town, if he has them kind of like in that snow globe, then couldn't we argue that the rest of the town was kind of like, I don't know, like, like, an illusion because he has like them in a in a microcosm of like like he's got them in in the snow globe i'm going to create this i'm going to manifest this environment around like if if we were on the outside looking in like we're just passing by this house maybe we don't see anything out of the ordinary but like for them looking out the windows and they see just like all this snow and all this stuff like that right like maybe maybe it's it's like self-contained Right. Well, we we talked on the Exorcist minute about like personal views of heaven because the Father Dyer says my personal view of heaven is it's a solid uh, white nightclub and I'm the headliner every night and all this stuff yeah. and like <laughs> like we often I think we have trouble um, as mere mortals like thinking about what infinity is and what infinite power is and mm. so like like people make fun of the LDS uh, the the Mormon idea of heaven and that everyone gets their own planet etc. Um, but we accept like oh in heaven i could have my heaven where i am i am 20 years old and my grandmother is 60 years old like i remember her but in my grandmother's heaven she's 20 years old and i'm 5 years old right like right. like that that's what it is so so this might be the demonic version of that right where everybody like like yeah we make little a little christmas hell <laughs> for everybody <laughs> and everyone has their own individualized christmas hell right right that mm. Krampus is in control of well and i do love yeah. how it calls into question that that Krampus as um Mm, just just as an oppositional force to the thing which i guess besides mel gibson has no other oppositional force right uh, like mm, um mm, the mm. the uh, uh the the act that this is the referee like a christmas referee demon mm-hmm. yes. is, is interesting yeah. to me and that's why i think i go dark on it but i totally get your your on watch position to me he's if he's a referee mm-hmm. there's a flag on the field and you're benched right like and that's yes. what the snow globe is you're done you had a chance to yeah. have a nice christmas and you screwed it up so you're out and mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, yeah i i prefer that <laughs> so weird <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Um, another, before we, before we leave Krampus in this, in this, uh, in this family to their, to their snow globe hellscape, um, I, I think another demon trope that Krampus has that I love is the act of the summoning of the demon, right? Like whether, whether it's done through a wish or a Ouija board or a book or a, or a, like a, a Faustian bargain, like I love that added bit of spice in demon movies where it's like, you have wrought this upon yourself, right? You opened the gate, you opened the book, you made that wish, right? In this, in this uh, movie, right? Like this is on you as it should be in, in this type of demon movie. I think it's because it's like, it's like the teaching of a moral lesson, right? Like I love how like in our lineup, Krampus is the most demony looking demon. And yet he acts more like a, like a Christmas Carol ghost, right? Like he's terrorizing this family, but like, he's also like teaching them. Right. He's the bad cop. Right. If Santa's the good cop, <laughs> then he's the bad cop. Why is that? Yeah. What is the importance of that, do you think, of you having to open the door, you 
are letting them in. Does that just make it even more insidious? Because you're right. It's across the board. Even like in uh, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, you deny Aroma mm -hmm. a bank loan. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're mm -hmm. cursed with demons and stuff. <laughs> like no matter what, like you are the one that causes mm -hmm. it. Well, and even Carol Ann yeah. didn't didn't Carol Ann cause it un inadvertently somehow mm. unlocking the TV from the screen first. He's talking to the TV, right? yeah, 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 in the first yeah. progress, right? Or even in the second one, it's he, he's like, you, I can't, I can't get in yes, there. You right. have to let me in, right? right? Well, this might be a, a much like bigger sort of idea, but this might have to do with the nature of movies more than the nature of horror, right? Because in in traditional like folk horror stories, it often is nothing, right? You've done nothing about this. It's just you're in the woods and this happens or your dad yeah. marries the... old lady be wanting to cook you. Yeah, it's just gonna she just does. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Right, right. That's your she is. That's what happens yeah. to little kids out there. Right. But in movies, I think we do want everything to be because it's a condensed storytelling. Right. And the arc of the character has to match the arc of the of the plot. Right. That we might just want we, that just might be more clean for us. Right. And feel more mm -hmm. satisfying for us. Right. Because um, if we did have I'm sure there are examples, right, of just completely nihilistic, nothing matters, funny game style. Yeah, right? I was just like, gonna say you're you just named walking it, around, right? demon comes over and bothers you. But I don't know if audiences are really attuned to, like, why would we be watching that person get attacked by a demon at random? Mm. We, could, we could watch the news and just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I think it's also just like, I don't know. I like. I love that added bit of mm -hmm. uh, f flavor to to a demon story it's like it's aesthetically pleasing that like you have to be like corruptible first right mm -hmm. like you have to yeah, i mean it's like it's 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 this biblical thing of like you know it's like i'll give you all of these things if you fall down and worship me yeah. right mm -hmm. like it's it's the like all you have to do is it like you have to you have to be the one to to sign the contract sign sign faust's you know uh, or uh, mephistopheles's uh, uh, a book or something like that and then like as soon as you do that then i gotcha then i have all the power right like once you have like invited me in. Right? And this was, you know, to Krampus, this is one of the most sinister elements of it, that the corruptibility of Omi happened when she was mm. a little girl. She invited the yes. demon in when she was most corruptible uh, as a child, mm. uh, you know, following on, you know, we've already got Carol Ann mm. and we, we like children seem to be kind of a part of this yes right and because they're still learning they're still right. learning mm -hmm. not only are they learning about the physical world but they are learning about the moral um you know the the difference between good and bad the difference like my actions have consequences you mean mm -hmm. right like you mean if i wish my family to disappear then i can you know star in a movie with macaulay Hogan <laughs> and i can be you know um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but no it's like, like the it's it's the it's the be careful what you wish for on a biblical scale yes. I right think. okay yeah, because again, in those fairy tales, right, those okay. Grimm Brothers ones, the lesson is just like stuff happens to little kids out there, and we're not going to cry over it. We're just going to make more <laughs> little kids and and get the harvest, in, right? Like like that that was the lesson of the Grimm Brothers age, and like and that now in you know in the movie age, it's like children, you have agency, you have control over your lives. You are going to be faced with choices, external and internal, and they're going to have consequences and mm. things things matter, and you matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where does that take us from here? Well, we got Tony Collette in this movie, and this movie kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of ends oh, oh, on oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> in this movie, right? In Krampus, yeah, Krampus. Right? I forgot. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jumping the gun here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, but then also, you know, Krampus kind of ends on this like ambiguous. It's like, did the demon win? I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's go. Let's go to a Tony Collette movie where the demon objectively wins. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no question, right? So far, we have talked about um, like when a demon loses, it's because love wins, right? Like Carol Ann's family you know, they band together and, and, and they win against Cain, right? Like through, through the power of, of their bond, right? When a demon wins, like in hereditary, I think it's because love has died, right? Like Payman, the demon there won and was able to possess Peter only after he, and I guess you could say the cultists killed every single member of Peter's family. And also they not only did they do that, but they did it in a way or payment did it in a way so that they killed each other. Right. Like mm. Peter kills Charlie, mom kills dad and then herself in front of Peter. And this effectively like breaks Peter. Right. Like breaks his heart, breaks his soul to the point where now payment can take possession of him. Right. Um, Ari Aster actually says, like, suffering is what drives this movie right like uh and and if you look at the original script um there are these huge cuts that ari aster actually made and all of the stuff that was cut out was stuff that showed characters vulnerability it fostered connections between Mm. the family members we had confrontations we had embraces we had um uh, uh, emotional outbursts that were healthy as opposed to unhealthy, which is what we get in the movie. We have bonding. We have dealing with grief. It, like it was all in the script and it was taken out. Why? Because that's the stuff you leave in a movie where the demon uh. loses. <laughs> but in order for the demon to win, the script was cut in such a way so that the family members remain isolated avoidant and unable to heal. I, I heard an interview with Ari Aster where he said, I made all those cuts because I realized I wanted to make a comedy and what's left is hereditary. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting movie. This is sort of ascension trope, which is something mm-hmm. that he plays with a lot, right? Like he's it, like, yeah. essentially, he remade the movie in Midsommar, you know, with the, mm-hmm. the sort of mm-hmm. thread of ascension to worship. And and so mm-hmm. I think it's I, I think it's a really interesting take on it that that essentially we're rebirthing. We're rebirthing evil by way of fuel yeah. of innocence. Is that did I just mm. make up words cool. any, at any point? In that time? <laughs> if you did, I like, them. I, like oh, I like how they're, they're going into my ear holes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I Tom and uh, Ray, have we ever talked about Hereditary specifically? I think we talked about Bo is Afraid uh, a bit, yeah. but um No, I don't think we have I don't have think that we've much. ever talked about Hereditary. I I abs- that's one of the Hereditary for me is probably my favorite horror movie of the last 25 wow. years. Oh, that's telling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole It's interesting oh. that in this movie, we don't see the demon at no. all. Like he doesn't have a physical form. Right, right. This right. is this is the movie where where our demon objectively wins. But like you could you could take him out and you could just be like, man, these cultists are crazy and evil. And you know whether it's a demon or not, like this is a horrible situation. Like this this mm. boy's family has been killed, right? Like so, evil is like present in this movie, yeah. right? Yeah. And you have this, uh, you're talking about like the book of the vampire trope, like that, 
it's it's pretty reversed here, right? Like we don't get any introduction of it. We're not sure, right? At first, it's just like ordinary people, but with you know, but but bloodier, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this really serious drama. And then you're watching, and you're like, I don't know, maybe there aren't demons. Maybe maybe this isn't anything supernatural. And then she starts looking around in grandma's uh, <laughs> grandma's uh, storage tubs. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's the real warning. Just leave whatever's in grandma's storage tubs and just send yeah. them away. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't look through. And then yeah, then she gets basically the book of the vampire that tells her like, oh, this is payment. <laughs> And it's really, really late in the movie, which threw me off the first time I saw it. But but now thinking about it retroactively, like, yes, it's perfect. That's exactly I, it. I yeah. still struggle with that that piece, Keenan, mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. that that the, the movie really threw me and it makes it one of my sort of least favorite Ari Aster films. And I, 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 I celebrate Ari Aster. But the fact that the movie sets up a, a movie that didn't need to be supernatural for me and then becomes supernatural so late in the film, I felt like that was did, did he just cheat me? Was that like a rug? Mm. Did he not know how to end a, a grounded film and just threw on Supernatural to explain everything, to explain how head forward the rest of the movie is? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I, I recognize I need to, to think about it more. And this gives me certainly more to think about. But um, I was actually relieved when uh, when the spooky stuff started happening. Why? Um, because, because the alternative is that is our world and it's real. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, they just made like, seven, I, right? Like, what's yeah. in the tree? Yeah. <laughs> It was like, oh my god, this is horrible. This this family is going through, and we've we've talked about this um, on our show. Um, with we uh, we recently had the uh, we had to cover the worst minute of the film, <laughs> yes. right? Where where uh, Reagan is is uh, you know up there with the crucifix, and I posed the question to Keenan. I said, take away the demon. Let's say that that Reagan is up there. Mom runs up there because because her daughter's screaming. You and and she goes in there to find that a man is in that house with her daughter. And suddenly, this is like so much worse, right? Because the 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 supernatural, like the angelic, demonic, um, uh, 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 I guess gel over it, right? Like if you're putting like light on a, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it, it, the coloring, um adds like this you get the idea like when there are ghosts when there are demons like you have this 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 feeling that there's like this lattice work of of spiritual law and there's purpose and and like hey all you need yeah there's purpose there's there's like oh you just i know what you do you go get an exorcism there's a way out of it there's a there's there's a checklist chaos and things just running into each other versus your mom blames you for your sister's death yeah. Like, well, what's the checklist yeah. <laughs> for that? Yeah. Your That's mother never wanted to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Your mother yeah. never Yeah. And hereditary, like, your mother doesn't know how to be a mother because her mother didn't know how to be a mother. And now we're passing that on hereditarily. Deal mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> right? right. Where's your God for all of that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I don't want to lean too hard back on Midsommar because it's definitely not a demon possession movie, but that's exactly why I love mm-hmm. Midsommar because it is absolutely reinterpreting grief, the grief of mm-hmm. the suicide and all of the, the stuff leading up to their trip in a very, um, grounded way like we are fish out of water in a community Mm -hmm. that has its own belief system and you are going to be challenged by that belief system and there's nothing spiritual about it 
It's just you uh, don't understand, and people are going to die because we our belief system includes this kind of sacrifice. And that's the the terror of it. And that's what I thought I was getting out of Hereditary, mm, and I didn't mm. get it. And it felt like a rug pull as a result of that. But uh, totally, again, clearly just me. But I, I get no, no, no. it. Like, I, I've heard I that can, from several yeah. people, yeah. Yes, several. yes. And, and <laughs> for my part, like, I, I feel... Like that, that is why I am constantly retreating to Dracula, Frankenstein, right? Like, and, and all of those. And like, you know, why we're covering the, you know, the, the so-called scariest movie of all time, The Exorcist, is because it is, it is a way for me to escape from like the real life that is Midsommar and <laughs> that is, you know, hereditary, which can be viewed in that way. It's like, I like, oh, thank God. Demons, you know, <laughs> one of these days I'll sit down and show you ordinary people, Lester, which mm. is much more terrifying than Hereditary. Or See, I don't know if I like. Can we just it's do one something of my a little bit favorite movies? Well, in the director's cut of, I'm just going to hide in my. They go back and open all the tubs. That are <laughs> all hell breaks. Don't loose. do it. Don't do it. Things no. become a lot less ordinary. No. <laughs> oh my god. See, real. That is why I do what I do and I consume what I consume because real life is, is right. way too scary. Okay. Right? Like, when are we gonna yeah. are we gonna move on to at, at some point are we gonna get to Exorcist Three? Because I'm so excited to talk about that movie. Let's, let's do it. Let's oh do my it. god, You're you guys, right where's this movie been all my life? Love yeah, <laughs> I hadn't seen it until this. So I've avoided I've avoided anything that Exorcist yeah. related besides the Exorcist, and yeah. so yeah, this is the first. Notice, time folks, seen we just too. skipped over Exorcist no. too. Like no. nobody's talking about that one. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I did. I yeah. literally skipped you, it. It's better that yeah, way. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So, so Pete, you you like? You know, I really three. did. I I thought it was uh, uh, George C. Scott was at his very best, sort of constantly mm. panting his way through each scene and and um <laughs> I, but i really really liked their relationship so much uh b- before the the father uh dies i loved the fact that this took a uh, a super grounded approach to like mm. real sort of like a real shoe leather approach to determining what's going on with this clearly biblical uh, you know, stuff in, in the movie. And I thought that was really, yeah. really great. I loved it. It really flags at the end. I, I understand there is, there is another, is there another version or was there just the, the cuts? Yeah, it just there is. didn't play. This is, so yeah, this is, this is based on the sequel book to the exorcist, William Peter Blatty's uh, uh, Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, Blatty, and this is this movie is directed by Blatty, and it had a little bit of um, studio interference with the uh, with the ending in particular. Um, he wanted to call it Legion, like his book, um, and they said no, call it The Exorcist Three. And then they had to kind of like build upon their own mistake because they were like, wait, there's no exorcism. The exorcism. Yeah. There's no exorcism. <laughs> so they had to they shoehorned in. Uh, this guy, this character, Father yeah. Morning, and this exorcism, which does not belong in there. And I would say, if you take that out, then it is it is a, an amazing film. But yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, it is an exorcism. The, the lore behind it is that Morgan Creek says that all the footage is gone. And yet, like fans have like looked and and found some stuff. So so the the lore now is like, like Morgan Creek has the, the, the rest of it is out mm. there. Um, but like that's that's sort of like like they're I mean, I don't know whether it is or not, but that's what the fans are holding out hope yeah. that they will be able at some point to recut it. And they've done some recuts and shown Blatty and Blatty's like, that's closer, but not mm. what I wanted. Yeah. Blast- I, I deeply enjoyed it, Tom. Yeah, no, as as, as mm. blasphemous as possible, I actually have always liked 
Exorcist 3 more than Exorcist. Exorcist 3 has always been know, Pearl Clutch. I've just always been exaggerated by it. I've watched it so many more times than The Exorcist. And at times it bubbles up. <laughs> when I was working in an office, this was years ago, uh, My bo- I was an assistant and my boss asked me for something. And they were like, I think it's in the file. And I promoted another go, it is not in the file. It is not. I just like George C. Scott out and scream things. Every once in a while. And she was like, what are you screaming? And I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I love the movie. I think it's outstanding. Yeah. I love George C. Scott's volume. It with you just talk, it was like, we're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Screaming, but don't forget after every scream he punctuates it with (laughs) right (laughs) like the guy was struggling with blood pressure and lung volume his vo2 max is not good if a if a pug went to acting school But I think yeah, uh, I think it's okay. Sorry, I like that yeah. we get like a little look into. I guess that's purgatory, uh, where Patrick Ewing mm-hmm. is hanging mm-hmm. out. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just a, there's a lot more. It's a really big, interesting world, and is really mm-hmm. scary as a result. Just the idea that all of these things mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. exist. Um, also, the editing, the cutting is really fun. He cuts it to yes. the point. Yeah. Like there's no space. At all, which I think is really interesting. yeah. Just just if you haven't seen the movie, like Tommy wasn't making a joke. There was a purgatory where Patrick Ewing and Fabio, right. <laughs> like literally, oh literally Patrick Ewing and literally <laughs> Fabio. Yeah, and and it's you know knowing a little bit more about Vladdy as you've been looking at The Exorcist, um, it's interesting. So so this purgatory scene is kind of taken out of this movie from 1941 called Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which is uh, a movie that's referenced at the beginning when they go and see old movies, they go and see It's a Wonderful Life. And Here Comes Mr. Jordan is what uh, Heaven Can Wait became. You know, that's re- Heaven oh. Can Wait's a remake of that. So that that's a movie about like people going in, um, you know, in the wrong body, right? So in Heaven Can Wait, and here comes Mr. Jordan. It's the guy has died, and then the person there's a mess up in heaven. The person wasn't supposed to die, so they find a new body for him while he can put things together, and 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 he solves his own problems, and he solves the problems of the person who had died, right? And that's that's what Legion is. I mean, so like like we have like people going into the wrong bodies and fixing each other's problems, mm. and for Blatty to borrow that from classic movies and a comedy, a romantic comedy, is very 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 Blatty. Mm. Um, and yeah, so like those those white purgatory scenes are directly out of um, Here Comes Mr. Jordan and yeah. um, uh, Edward Everett Horton as the weird um, conductor person, Claude Rains. Yeah. yeah. Blatty started out as a, a comedy writer. He did yes. some things. He did Shot in the Dark and, and sure. the, the second Pink Panther and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you can see that in you can see that in the the book, uh, The Exorcist. And then you can also like especially in in this movie, like the interactions between Kinderman and Dyer stuff like that like swimming in this yeah yeah. exactly which is which is Mm -hmm. you like it so much you like you like uh this movie better than that movie that's from the book right really yeah Mm. yeah a lot of the yeah a Mm -hmm. lot of the father dyer and um detective kinderman stuff at the beginning is stuff that is cut out of the book and sometimes the screenplay where vladdy had written these things about father dyer coming to bother to father Karras while father Karras is yeah. doing his his thing and father is like i need lemon drops because i got addicted to lemon drops because of the yep, kids so like, good. like mm-hmm. that's right out of the book yeah uh, or so the, the rabies line the, the rabies are are jewish that's priests yeah 
fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah, stuff that he was just like, I'm sitting on all this. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, like, Blatty sees the original Exorcist as a um, supernatural detective story. Do I have the yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the movie The Exorcist is not a supernatural detective no. story. Like, no. it has elements of it when we're following Kinderman, but it's not a detective Exorcist story. Exorcist 3 is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exorcist yes, 3 yeah. is, exactly. Yes. So he's and essentially by Blatty, yeah, so yeah. going <laughs> back and, like, doing all the things that um, – he sort of feels like, oh, they took that away from me right now. I can mm-hmm, just do an mm-hmm. Exorcist 3. How yeah, lo- yeah. Um, I, what was the relationship ahead, between the Zodiac killer and when Legion, the book, came out? Because they're talking about the Gemini killer. It's clearly the Zodiac killer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did read somewhere, but yeah, that that um, he based it off of he did a lot of research into uh, the Zodiac killer. I my research didn't uh, go sure. too far down that path because, again, real life, real right. monsters. I don't I don't <laughs> care. Yeah. But I had seen the same thing that this was his version of the Zodiac killer. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's also worth mentioning that Brad Dorif oh is just God. amazing. Yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. He's upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm alive. Yeah. yeah. I, I want him to be Billy Bibbit, you know, from uh, yes. the Cuckoo's mm-hmm. Nest all the time. Mm-hmm. And he he's so good at being Chucky. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, Worm Tongue. And Worm Tongue. And these yeah. other people. I was like, oh, but but Brad, you're just such a sweet little boy. <laughs> I just want you to go back to doing that. I, I you know it's funny you mentioned Cuckoo's Nest because mm-hmm. I like to think of Poltergeist 2 as the unofficial sequel to Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> <with the chief. laughs> <laughs> he's learned to speak and yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> now he's going and fighting yeah. demons yeah i i did exactly. I, you know one more cameo that jumped out at me was sam jackson in exorcist 3 mm-hmm. i just have to call that out because i i know i believe his voice was dubbed overdubbed for some weird reason but that was I, it was fun seeing, well, seeing when they show mm-hmm. up especially in blind Georgetown diner it's like see ever coop larry king now yeah. we're back to the right. movie yeah. like, what? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> peter just called all of his friends come on it's a bloody yeah. time yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's a blatty. That's very much a blatty thing, and like mm. putting mixing real people and in the book and this even the screenplay uh, of The Exorcist, he's calling out individual like streets, like oh we're at yep. the corner of yeah. this and this individual buildings on the campus of Georgetown, right. and his uh, his post note at the end of The Exorcist is like oh I want to thank pe- these people these people, but he also says I'm really sorry I've taken all these liberties with the geography of Georgetown, oh, <laughs> like you like he, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Like, please don't yeah. hold that. But, yeah, he's very much like, yeah, these real people, these real cameos and, and like being very, very specific. Um, yeah. Even to the point of and, and we're, we'll get to it. But um, a couple of the priests in uh, the Exorcist movie, like he had them in mind while he was writing the book. There's a there's Tom Birmingham, who is who is like Tom Birmingham is playing Tom Birmingham yeah. in in the Exorcist. He's the priest that Kara says, like, I think I've lost my faith, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's he, he, he was uh, uh, Vladdy's teacher while he was going uh, to Georgetown University. Transitioning to our next film, uh, we've, we, we bring a Hopkins, mm. the right. Yes. What are we learning about the right? Yeah, I had not seen this movie and it had not a great reputation, but I'm really glad that we watched it. Mm. I think yeah. the right was more interesting when it was not a horror movie. Uh, sort of similar to what Pete was saying about Hereditary. Like, I don't know if, if it just this team doesn't quite want to do the horror movie properly, but when it is just about this young priest who is um, 
you know, dealing with his faith and then is sent to the Vatican to, to study. I like, mm-hmm. I was fascinated by all of yeah. that stuff. Like, what is it like to go and take a class at the Vatican? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you are a priest, but you're, you're, college professor is a cardinal right and you're yeah. you're sitting in a room with lay people who are trying to study uh when and you you have faith they don't have faith um right. what's it like to be a a young good-looking priest who is going through the streets of rome and some hot woman on a on a vespa looks at you <laughs> right and you're like oh, but i'm a priest but i'm also a man like that stuff mm-hmm. is fascinating to me and then unfortunately when it gets to like the horror part of it i was a little bit less like i've sort of i've, I've seen this before Hmm. I I wanted to say I was like I'm so glad that um we're talking about a movie where we have a young priest who's uh, struggling with his faith but he's like very physically able and uh he's got this background in medical science and uh he's also a boxer it's and boxer. he teams up with uh with an older with priest ideas? and uh <laughs> I, ju- I don't know. It's so just much. like, and of course, I'm talking about yeah. the right. Yeah. Oh yeah, but the priest is dealing with his faith, right? And um, he loses his immigrant parent, who they've had a strained relationship with, right? And, and he hears the immigrant who, parent voice yeah. from beyond the grave and starts to think, who may that maybe or may not be in hell. God, I don't right? know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, let me just let me just say this. Halfway through the right, they were like, "Oh my God, we, we've been directing The Exorcist." Oh. Like they picked up the wrong script, and they're like, oh, "I don't know, do something else." Wrong. Frogs, 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 yeah. frogs, 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 and cats, frogs and cats. Look, I, I, just, okay, one, I just have oh, to say this in yeah. terms of silver linings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, uh, I'm in the bag for Alice Braga. I loved City of God, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. she's yeah. fantastic. And having her in yeah. here as a completely predictable character, I was still okay mm-hmm. with that. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. my first comment was, God, I love Anthony Hopkins. In this yes. character, he mm-hmm. should really make a better movie like right. this. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It is. I. Th- this is we when in in our covering of the exorcist we we uh, uh draw heavily from the book and in the book captain howdy is very much uh captain howdy and Karis uh have this thing very much like Clarice starling and hannibal sure. lecter in silence of the lambs it's this chess match right it's like oh well you made that move i see well you know um and he's he's very much like a hannibal lecter character and then i was like i was so excited to get actual hannibal lecter here <laughs> um but uh but yeah it like I also love the 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 first part where he's kind of like he's treating this this exorcism thing as like a job. He's right. this kind of like frumpy old grandpa who's, you know, <laughs> he's feed he's feeding the cats and he invites the girl <laughs> in and he's like, oh, you know, and he's taking a call while the exorcism is happening. Right. right? It's it's a job to him. Right. Yeah, like, he's like a plumber. Yeah, right. Sure. Exactly. He gets called and, and he's a plumber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, you're you're. And and this and this this young priest doesn't believe in um... doesn't believe in plumbing. <laughs> right, exactly. He's like, you're trying to teach like, me plumbing, old man. It's like we're in Rome. We invented indoor plumbing. I just need to see it to believe it. Well, I mean, his dad right. is Rutger Hauer. Like, of yeah, course, yeah. he's going to be a bit of a skeptic. In addition, you're yeah. talking about silver linings. One thing that I really took away from this film was the fact that the exorcism of this girl you know i i've never seen an exorcism movie where you know it took several exorcisms to Mm. treat a a person possessed Mm. and whenever she leaves you know she's still possessed it's not done yeah Yeah. i've Mm -hmm. never seen that in a film before 
Yeah, my my boyfriend is a piano technician, a piano tuner, and he has to come back several times. People just don't believe him. They think that they're yeah. <laughs> he's he's bilking them, right? He's like, no, he did the first tuning. I got to come back in a couple months. And they're like, what? It's tuned. It's done. <laughs> I, I I feel like this is the the movie parallels so well to one of the other sort of bonus movies I watched just last night, which was The Pope's Exorcist, mm-hmm. and that also uh-huh. has some problems. But playing the role of Anthony Hopkins is Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. I, I get used to him, and I actually find I start liking him. And the the young protege, uh, you know, is is interesting. And in that movie, while in yeah. this, in the right, we have exorcisms that don't take. In that movie, we mm. have so many exorcisms that are exercises in mental health mm-hmm. that aren't actually yeah. exorcisms. And I think that mm. is actually an interesting angle. The movie goes completely off the rails. Like, it mm-hmm. sort of <laughs> didn't know that it had a pretty birdie in its hand. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, it messes itself up at the end and then sets up the exorcist cinematic universe. Right. Like, now we have, we're yeah. going to make yes. so many movies and it's a superhero thing, oh, which was Jesus. awful. Yeah. But but the yeah. intent of describing possession as something that mm. is that that is persistent in the right Mm-mm. and can't always be trusted in the pope's exorcist yeah. i thought were mm. really interesting uh, you know yeah. angles that each of these movies brought right we talk in in our show about how after the exorcist um, you see a priest in a horror movie and you know they're going to do an exorcism. Mm-hmm. But the exorcist itself kind of uh, brings exorcism back out of like the shadows of obscurity. Like you have Father Karras saying like many educated Catholics don't believe in the devil. We don't right. do exorcisms anymore. If you want an like, exorcism, the first thing you need is a time machine mm, to go back yes. to the 1400s. Yeah. And it's like the, half of that movie, maybe even more than half of that movie, is getting this priest mm-hmm. to believe that like exorcisms can be a thing again. And then after the exorcist, it like, you know, it, it, somebody sneezes and it's like, oh, yeah. we gotta get the devil out of here. You know? <laughs> And I just want to point out right, the devil, right? So we've covered some of these demon movies. And uh, again, to spoil the, the right sort of kind of the mm-hmm. demon that they find is Ball. And we Ball, need to get yeah. Ball to say his name to control him. So we have yes. Ball and Payment. And, um, you know, as much as The Exorcist 3 wants to pretend that it's a sequel to Exorcist 1, uh, it, it, that demon is Legion. Uh, you yeah. cannot convince me that that demon is not is Pazuzu or something mm-hmm. else. That yeah. Mm-hmm. So like we're we're yeah. calling these things out that are real and have some basis in culture. And of course, yeah. Krampus is a is a pagan, um, right. Germanic, a pagan yeah. Germanic demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a really quick thing before we leave the right. Um, so if you look at any depictions of Baal or Baal, right? It's B A A L or B A E L, right? He is in in the Ars Goetia. He is the the first king of hell. Um, and uh, he's usually depicted as having three faces: a man, a frog, oh. and a cat. Mm-hmm. And what oh. what two animals <laughs> did we see all over the right? It's like they read that book. <laughs> it's almost like they read that book. They did their research. Like they did some homework. They did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is uh, this is fascinating, you guys. I feel like I and we mm. definitely have more movies to to watch uh, for our continued exploration of demon films. But I am so glad you brought us this. This uh, we'll call it a a wee beginning tutorial in some of the the yes. better uh, films, hopefully uh, of yeah. of. Uh, hauntings and as a plug please go listen to the extended edition of our commentary on the exorcist with <laughs> lester and keenan on the exorcist minute 
Yes. If you want yeah. to get our take on what what I personally believe to be the best demon movie, and that's why we're covering <laughs> it minute by minute. Um, yeah, go listen to the Exorcist minute, um, where we where we talk about uh, this stuff, and then we talk about a whole lot of other stuff, biblical and uh, uh, um, uh, non biblical. Well, and yeah, and we 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 try to be funny, so the the podcasters yeah. tend to label us as comedy first. So if you see that, yeah. that's right. Uh, to quote another demon, <laughs> Beetlejuice. Right uh, yeah. now, we've seen wait, the Exorcist. Wait, wait. 167 <laughs> times and it keeps getting funnier every time we see it so that that's the kind of a uh, thing that we try. i no wait 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 keenan keenan who said that Beetlejuice. oh great guys oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> i uh i just have to say I, that one of the reasons that we love the show so much is that it's like as as somebody who is uh, uh i'd like to call myself old hat at the movie by minute format <laughs> uh, what i love about the exorcist minute is that it is a different way to look at movies the readings from the book of blatty and and the integration with the the literature and the film makes it really something special. And I, it lets me see that movie in a new way. So I cannot give it a, a high enough thumbs up. It, it's a fantastic show. I listen to every single episode, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, at theexorcistminute.com or find, us at, uh, find it at uh, truestory.fm slash theexorcistminute. Thank you, everybody. Thank okay. you guys so much. Hey, this has been super fun, right, Tom? Thank you. We have to, this is we wonderful. have to plug next week. Oh, right. Okay. Or next mm. month. Next month. It's Tom's choice, Ray, and we've been given an assignment. <gasps> Tom? It's a little movie that I saw in the theater, and I have never quite recovered. <laughs> I had what can only be seen as an out-of-body experience, and I have talked to many other people that think I'm running a prank uh, when I make them see it. But we will be doing a deep dive and a talk about the film Skinamarink. Skinamarink. <gasps> really now, scary. there were conditions. Yes. There were oh, conditions. Yes. What are the conditions? If you watch Skin and Marie, it's on Shudder right now, or you can rent it. You have to watch it in the dark and as loud as possible. I want you to try to put yourself in a theatrical experience. If you watch it during brunch, you'll be like, well, Tom, I, apparently this is the first movie he's ever seen. <laughs> no. <laughs> One of the things is that there can't be any distractions. There's nowhere to get away from, because then you start leaning into uh -huh. the dark and you start to see shapes where there aren't shapes, and I think it's pretty fascinating. So we will be talking mm -hmm. about Skinamarink, and I will be probably apologizing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have, I, this is the first time I'll be doing this. I've never watched a whole movie this way, but I have the, the PlayStation VR 2 Oof. and and the spatial <laughs> headset. So I'm going to go full headgear for Skinamarink. It's going to wow. be my virtual wow. IMAX screen and all black and just sound. So I I <laughs> am luck. worried about what that's going to do to me. <laughs> yeah. But I'm very excited about cool. it. Skin and Rink next month. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this month. Make sure you check out that Exorcist Minute, Exorcist Minute, theexorcistminute.com, or search wherever you subscribe to your podcast and jump in. Uh, and make sure you do all this other stuff you do with your podcast for this show. Uh, if you'd like to get longer ad-free episodes on the show, visit thenextreel.com slash membership and subscribe for just a few bucks a month. You'll have access to the beefier show, plus all the triple secret Discord channels in the True Story FM server. We would love to have you there. On behalf of Lester and Keenan and Tommy and Ray, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch up with you next month right here, sitting in the dark.
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. 